Well, it might have been a busy day for Australia yesterday with the announcement from the RBA and the statement of monetary policy and the press conference, but elsewhere, not a lot going on. But there was actually more movement in markets outside Australia, in particular the trade in US bonds. We'll try and figure out why that is, but by and large, spoiler alert, when there's not much new to go on, things just move anyway. It's Wednesday, the 7th of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, fairly small rises in US equities this morning, 0.4% up for the Dow at close, a quarter percent for the S&P 500. The Nasdaq just clawed into the green in that last hour of power, although hour of power seems a rather grand way of putting it because trading volumes are pretty light. Uh, Compared to rises in Europe, we saw a 0.8% rise for the Eurostox 50 at their close, 0.9% for the FTSE 100. The CSI 300 yesterday, 3.5% higher on hopes that maybe, just maybe, the authorities will come up with some answers to the problems in the equity markets and well it's hey it's work just the sniff of news and the problem is partially solved i'm not sure they can keep on pulling that one off though uh, bond yields have fallen back down down seven basis points for 10-year treasuries down eight in canada down six for 10-year gilts in the uk uh, whereas elsewhere well in europe down just two or three basis points in australia up three basis points yesterday to 4.12 percent and not really moving very much on futures overnight a quarter percent fall in the us dollar with the Aussie up 0.6% to 65.2 US cents. The pound up half a percent, just 0.1% up for the euro, though. And oil rising again, 1% for WTI. And Brent, 0.9% higher. Brent getting closer to 79 a barrel. So, NAB's Gavin Friend is with me today from London. Uh, we'll talk about the RBA in just a moment. But um, falling yields globally, it seems. So, so what is driving that i mean certainly not the the words coming from fed speakers is it yeah morning phil no i mean you know a couple of things really i think in terms of you know what's driving the price action as we head towards midweek lower yields and lower dollar as you say equities just keeping their their heads above water um there's some focus i think on new york community bank or again you know there's i read that um there's an acceleration in stock puts with the uh, the wires reporting four times as many puts as calls, and that points to, I guess, a small flight to quality for for U.S. Treasuries. And you know, that's if you look at the moves in bond yields, it is the U.S. that's leading the way. Even though eurozone December retail sales fell 1.1 percent, trivially uh, more than the 1 percent forecast. Um, no, year on year sales um small improvement but still negative to minus 0.8 from minus 1.1 yeah there's no good news really is there coming out of europe i mean on top of those retail sales that downturn in retail sales uh you can add euro area construction pmi down from 43.6 to 41.3 down to 36.3 for germany i mean just where are the green shoots doesn't seem like there are any i don't think i don't i wouldn't agree with that i mean if you look at the pmis recently we we've got a albeit global modest improvement in the, the sort of contraction that we're seeing in in manufacturing and Europe Europe is is centered to that I think you know we're not you we're not yet back at 50 the, the, the sort of break-even level but the the rate of contraction has been easier uh, it's been has been easing a bit so things aren't getting any worse there industrial orders in Germany were a little bit better for the second month running um but i i take your point about the sort of malaise that's going on around europe and you can see it just about everywhere you, you read uh not least you know politically and in, in sort of you know economies such as germany but i mean just swinging it back to the day um 
we had the ECB's monthly consumer one and three year um, inflation expectation survey. So in the year ahead, consumers see inflation at 3.2%. That's down from 3.5%, the lowest since February 2022. Then for the three year, it's at 2.5% from 24 I mean, that that that's against a headline inflation rate in Europe of 2.8%, core 33 Um, And, you know, the point that we've been making is remember, Next month, so in a month's time, we're going to get the sort of advanced um, release of the February HICP inflation number out of the ECB. And that's going to begin a multi-month period of lower inflation prints that are going to really bring headline inflation, you know, below the 2% level. Core level will come down as well. Now, there's a there's a very valid debate there about whether it stays there, whether it's sustainable. That's the, the, the definition that central bankers want. Um, you know, once the sort of favourable base effects fade. But that drop will have an impact on consumers, on investors and financial markets, and, of course, central banks of inflation. Yes, I mean, is that part of what we're seeing in the United States and this question mark about just how sustainable is this downturn inflation? So the bond market's responding to that. Or is it the banking sector, as you were talking about, the, you know, the dangers that might uh, exist within that? Uh, I'm reading a lot about question marks over big tech stocks, whether they're overpriced. I mean, it's no surprise, perhaps, that NASDAQ is the one indices that's down today. I mean, Microsoft is up almost 60% over the last year. Here we've got a big corporation behaving like a startup that is doing well on the promise of AI, presumably. So, I mean, if there is a a correction in equities, that could be very contagious as well. So there's a few things going on, aren't there, which could lead, you know, bond markets to, to question where they are right now. No, I think the other thing is whether you know whether there's some things about uh, specific um, uh, regional banks or, or or stocks. I think the bigger picture thing is is this this idea that maybe the narrative is changing because of the data that we're getting out of the U.S. And it brings me to the sort of broader point, really, the sort of pullback in yields today is really it's a pause for reflection or after a large up move in yields in recent days. On a day, on a week where there really isn't much in the way of key or tier one economic data, it gives markets chance to sort of think about whether, you know, we're seeing a changing that narrative vis-a-vis US rate cut timing in particular. So have we seen, we well, have we seen a market change? Have we seen any move, moves in market pricing? I think it's not moved a great deal today, has it? It's not. No, not 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 much. But we, we that's because we need to see more data. We need to yeah. see more data, and the key data that we're going to be looking for is next week's uh, US C, uh, CPI. Mm. We know, you know, for instance, like core PCE in the US is basically. You know, it's at 2.8%, sorry, 2.9%. We know on a six-month annualized basis, it's at 1.86%. Um, and that's, you know, that's the barometer that the Fed uses rather than anything else. Um, and on we know uh, on, 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 the, on the other side that there's, as we saw on Friday, you know, plenty of strength in economic activity in the labor markets. Now, you know, you've got the Fed, you know, Fed's Mester. She expects the Fed to be in a place where they could cut later this year. Uh, she said the Fed could um, it could cut faster, it could cut slower. They are data dependent. Again, brings me back to that point about Brilliant. you know what's next. What's the next cab on the rank? It's US CPI next week, yeah. and we're, so we're pausing. We don't have enough information to know whether the narrative yeah. is right. changing. 
It might be. It yeah. may be not. All right. Okay, explains it. Uh, so the RBA, let's have a look at that then. Rates on hold. Uh, they seem to be particularly worried about services inflation in Australia, don't they? Too much, you know, demand domestically. That's pushing, uh, putting creating cross cost pressures, which had you know not easily fixed, is it? Of course. So uh, talk about you know maybe it's going to be uh, later in the second half before we start to see rate cuts. I mean, even some talk, it's, it wasn't discounted. The idea that if, you know, if things don't move fast enough, maybe not even moving the wrong way, but if they don't move fast enough, maybe a rate hike might be considered. Well, I think that's right. The, the RBA wants to have some optionality, I think. You know, so the mild tightening bias, you know, with the statement noting that, <clears throat> as you say, rate, rate hikes, a further move higher cannot be ruled out. Inflation remains too high. Uh, that was softened a little. You know, the rate assumption uses a sort of a, a hybrid market market path, which, of course, has some cuts priced by the end of the year, you know, a, a cash rate at 3.9%. The trimmed mean CPI measure now at 2.8, end of 25, that's down from 2.9, you know, slightly easier. Maintaining a tiny bias does, I guess, signal <clears throat> to the government that, um, you know, on fiscal policy, that inflation still needs to be tamed. You know, as the as, as the RBA has noted, um, you know, goods price inflation is lower than the than its forecast back in in November in the SMP. But services inflation, to your point, remains high, remains too high. And as my colleagues know, that you know that sort of consistent with this ongoing excess demand view, strong domestic price pressures, and hence, you know, you know, we read the latest RBA commentary as there being a low probability of a rate cut in the first half of the year but uh, forecasts are consistent with a cut in the second mm. half and we have we have a late move there in november versus the market you know the mild tightening bias does however put the rba in contrast to the fed the ecb the bank of england the bank of canada if not the rbnz so i guess that's you know that's no, noteworthy yeah. isn't it so just one then that's the expectation now We've, the idea, the earlier talk that maybe we'll squeeze in two before the end of the year, has that been abandoned? Who said that we'll squeeze in two before the end of the year? It's certainly not the NAB forecast. No, but many in the market are. It's the market that. forecast. The yeah. market forecast yeah. has been there, but you know we've been consistent. Uh, it's it's based on the idea that although we saw inflation lower in that uh, CPI report for Q4, um, you know, just over a week ago, we think you know consistent with what I've just said about services. The Q1 CPI report that we'll get in in a quarter's time will show services inflation still too high. Right. And what about, you know, the Red Sea, the influence of that? So when we see revised forecasts coming from central banks, like we did yesterday from the RBA, how much of that is factoring in the fact that the Red Sea, that situation could uh, could certainly escalate? Well, it seems to be escalating anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, the rerouting of these goods around Africa, uh, the talk this week of, of, of perhaps rerouting some stuff across the land, all of this is going to take longer. It's going to cost more money. And I think that is designed as a sort of a another pathway through for those people that can afford or are prepared to pay up. Um, but it, it, it does suggest that over the next two to three months, if this issue is not sorted, and of course, we have Anthony Blinken, you know, touring the Middle East at the moment, you know, all the efforts to try and find a diplomatic solution, you know, everything crossed on the back of that. Um, that 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 we're going to have to feed into forecasts some some you know slight slowdown in the rate of disinflation as as some of these things usher through. We would just hope 
that it's that it's a temporary thing and that you know we can see through this i mean that would be the takeaway yeah, wouldn't it would it? and look you know the other elephant in the room of course is the trump factor uh, and what influence that's going to have he failed to establish he, that he is immune from criminal charges uh, for trying allegedly to you know overturn the 2020 election so according to the u.s court of appeal so he can stand for criminal prosecution i don't fully understand the ins and outs of all of this but uh, he could stand trial before the november election uh which you know might mean he doesn't stand at all so you know i one one way or the other this is uh, this is going to influence well we read we read that incarceration uh or conviction doesn't actually prevent him from standing <laughs> or even taking office but but, but, but some of the opinion polls him, of well i mean that, I, I was going to make that point some of the opinion polls for all the support for trump and that, that cannot be denied um, some of the opinion polls suggest that there's up to a third of would-be Trump uh, voters would not be able to vote for him if he were convicted. I mean, th- th- these are polls. We don't know whether people yeah. would stand by that, but um, it's an interesting take. Too early to speculate, yeah. isn't it? I mean, my, my point was that, you know, here's just a bit of news and, and you know, we're not seeing a market reaction to bits of news like this just yet, but we obviously will yeah. over time. Look, it's a quiet one today. We get trade numbers for the US and Canada early tomorrow morning. We get oil reserves, you know, which might be quite interesting given the climate at the moment. Uh, and a plethora of Fed speakers as well. Uh, uh, Cougar, Collins, Bowman amongst them. So, um, but they're all going to be singing from the same hymn sheet, presumably. Uh, yes, and ma- the market will be passing all of this. But uh, again, you know, it's da- they need the data. Yeah. We need the data. Yeah, show us the numbers. All right, very good. Leave it there for now. Thank you, Gavin. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And quickly, before we go, four earnings have just come in after the US closed. Revenue of $46 billion against estimates of just over $40 billion. So a big upside win. Earnings per share, $0.29 cents against estimates of 13 So not surprising, the share price initially up almost 4% in after-hours trade. That's it for the morning call for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then.